Hello and welcome back to the Profit Roadmap. I'm Bear Duplessis alongside Cody Owen. What's up, guys? We really appreciate you uh, coming back to us for another episode. We've had some fantastic member journeys uh, in recent weeks as well as some great information for you and your business. Uh, we're sitting down again with Chief Technology Officer John Caldwell. John, thanks for uh, giving us some more time. We really appreciate you sitting with us the first time. This should be uh, some good stuff. Well, thank you guys for having me back. I physically grabbed John from his office and dragged him into the recording studio. By his shoelaces or just his socks? Oh, no, by his collar. Oh, horse collar. That's that's, that's a flag, 15 yards. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate you being here, John. So, John, last time we were here um, and, and sat and talked with you, you, you told us a lot about where Service Autopilot is going. So let's take it back a step and to go back to the very beginning. Um, let's talk about how Service Autopilot came to be and what your role was in the beginning and where it is now. Okay, so for the for the people who haven't heard our story before, Jonathan and I worked together in the 90s at this technology company with for Brian Leist, which is one of our vice presidents here today. And um, we basically decided to start another company in 2001, uh, kind of focused in a different industry at the time. But some th things didn't happen and go right. And so we kind of broke apart. He started a few service industry companies like uh, like a lawn care and cleaning. And then I kind of went on and did consulting and did some other tech projects, basically. And at, at the time, Jonathan was actually a programmer. You worked uh, which, for a major transportation company too, didn't you? We worked for a company that did consulting to the large truck, trucking companies. So we did things like uh, analysis or optimization of fuel, uh, stops where, where you should purchase your fuel, fuel to save the most money and how much to purchase at each location, basically, because you kind of, it's called the principle of optimality. You start at the end and you work your way back, basically. So where you are, where you are today doesn't matter. You optimize your path going forward, basically. So wow. you know what you need at the end and you kind of work your way back. So that's kind of where we got together. And then we did another company before Service Autopilot. We thought, man, we can cash flow Service Autopilot with this other company. We were just minor investors in it. And uh, it was in healthcare. And then Obama got elected and pretty much screwed up the whole healthcare industry. So I kind of stopped that one pretty fast. Right. So the um, so that's kind of like where the origin of Service Autopilot came to be. So uh, fast forward a little bit after the consulting gig that you did that kind of helped fund uh, this project that's now become the company that Cody and I now work for. What uh, tell us a little bit about the beginning? Uh, and if if people aren't aware of the the story, you guys started uh, you guys started in a in a storage unit, and uh, and now we have this fabulous office that we call home. So tell us a little bit about those early days. Yeah. So City Turf, uh, a few of the members have been out to City Turf. They're actually in a storage. Uh, facility, but they have a, the front part is this office complex a little bit. It has like about a hundred square feet of office space. And then in the back is about 200 square feet of more like storage where you could maybe put a, all your electrical supplies or your plumbing supplies. So we kind of converted the back and, you know, we did some terrible renovations and stuffed in a window unit and Jonathan would sit back there uh, and do phone calls and answer sales calls. And I'm telling you, it was like 95, 98 degrees in the back unit and up front had a real air conditioner and real insulation. So I was setting up in the, the air conditioning, <laughs> listening to him, but I could hear everything he said during back those sales then, John calls. John had the Cush gig. 
That's right. I mean, Jonathan had a uh, Jonathan had the 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 ghetto office at the time, I guess. <laughs> and then we we started getting a few of those locations, and then we we uh, got our first real office in 2012. What I call our first real office, where we had about 2,500 square feet. So it was really cool. And then kind of like our members, it's you do everything back then. So you know we. Jonathan was working on marketing and doing a few sales calls as we got started getting more and more traction. And I was doing all the tech work, basically. Jonathan and I would work on the design together, but I'd have to do all the coding, all the database work, all the operational side as far as, you know, make sure everything kept running and did we get our backups and everything. So it's just like any other startup. You're, you're wearing every hat, you're doing every job, and you're just trying to make it to tomorrow, really. So in the early days, you know, for anyone who's who's familiar with Surface Autopilot now, uh, they're familiar with the the apparatuses of the dispatch board, advanced estimating, the custom documenter, which is fairly recent. It's been within the last eighteen months. Now, you know, we talked about the newer features that we're going to be seeing. Um, the report center automations and uh, QuickBooks Online Sync has recently been released as well. Um, so, at what point did during this process in, in terms of timeline, did did it stop being about doing and become about leading in this industry that we call home? Because, and just real quickly, John, I wanted to say that uh, that represents the transition for you that all of our members have to make where they have to get, if they're lawn care, they have to get off the truck. If they're cleaning, they have to get out of the houses. And so this is the same thing, like the same pattern, just in a completely different industry where you're having to start to pull back from having your hands in every pie because there's too many pies and you have to start delegating that to other people. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had this grand plan of how we, how I transitioned out of being a doer into a being more of a leadership role, but it really just became a job that was too big. As we kept growing, I just couldn't do it all. So you know, you just hope that you hired the right people that can take those things off your plate. And so at the time, we had hired uh, one of my friends that I went to school with, Tim, and he kind of became our DBA. And he also was writing code and everything. But if we wouldn't have had him, I don't know how things would have worked out for us. Because once again, I mean, you can't, you just cannot continue to do every job in the company. You have to relinquish control to people. You, so you have to hire the right people so that you can let people do that. Like Jonathan struggles with, how do I let go of X or Y? How do I let go of being the the um, the expert in the company? And how do I not help with copy or whatever he's helping with? You know, And, and uh, a little bit of it is if you build a really large team which I, my team is one of the biggest in the company, it really starts to help you let go. But when you have a small team, you still can dabble in things because um, when you have a larger team, you become the guy that answers all the questions. So my days have gone from staying up until three in the morning, writing code, pushing it with Jonathan and him testing it to all I do is answer questions all day long. How is this Connecting supposed to work? Pieces. Connecting pieces, you know, just plugging things together and saying, yeah, this is what we're doing over here in QuickBooks and this is how it works over here in the main site. And we're just trying to answer those questions and be a facilitator and help people solve their job, solve their problems, do their jobs. I mean, it's a big shift. You really have to trust who you've hired. And that's why building a team is so important. 
So those of you, to, just to backtrack a little bit here, John, just for those of the people who don't know, the job that you guys hired Tim for is a, is quite a large one. He, he's the database manager. He manages the database, which when you think about it, we have members who come in with, you know, a thousand leads, 3,000 leads, client bases of a thousand, 30,000, et cetera. 10,000. I mean, and, and yeah, 10,000. I mean, there, I mean, and that is the number one question that I get in the sales department is like, oh, what, what's going to happen to my database, right? That's how important, just imagine how important our database is. It's, we hold on to it as the same troops because like, like Cody was doing just a moment ago, we could, it, there's a lot of correlation between what's going on here and what's going on at home in your personal business. And so there can be, you know, to your point about hiring the right people uh, to make these decisions and to, to carry out your vision, so to speak, is, is something that needs to be emphasized. Um, and so when it came to that point of expansion and you needed to find the right people, what processes did you and Jonathan take or did you take that would help out our members and for small business owners out there that are looking to expand and sort of pass off that uh, those responsibilities? Well, it's, it's really funny. It's kind of the same problem that you have when you're doing the work. It's like I used to interview every CSR person or every person that was hired in the company. And I was like, well, Brian's interviewing them and Jonathan's interviewing them. And some of these, some of the people are contractors that we try out for a period of time and then we hire them on full time. And so I quickly realized that I don't need to be a part of everything. And what trust the people that you have working for you. Trust Brian and Mindy to hire the right CSR or Jonathan and Jim to get the right salespeople. And so a little bit of it is once again building that upper echelon. So we got really lucky. Our, our, the people that have been here the longest are people that I've known for almost 30 years. So I, I started working for Brian in 1990 at Greyhound. Tim is, I went to college with Tim. Uh, one of the guys we just hired uh, as our project manager, Michael Kiger, I worked with him in 2003 at another company. So well, and let's let's not call it luck. Let's give you credit for networking and knowing people. And then when a need arose, you knew the person and obviously they liked you enough that they left their current positions to, to come follow you over here. That's so true. It's not blind luck. It is not blind luck. You're I'll true. I'll tell you what is but... blind luck. I didn't interview with John, so he didn't realize how stupid <laughs> I was when they brought me on. This is fantastic. But it is a, it is also a blessing to have people who want to come work with you and, and help you solve these problems. So, you know, um, it's been really good. Uh, James McAllister, I mean, I started working with him. He's on our mobile team. He's a developer. And I worked with him in 2005 at uh, the same company as Michael. So, you know, we've had a, a lot of... A lot of good people that wanted to come join, and we also got really uh, a lot of really good people straight out of school or, or through other other uh, avenues or pipelines. So we've we've been able to build a really great team. There's not really anyone on the team that I would want to not be here, and that's a really important point because we've held on to people before too long. So I'm the person that's most guilty of this is I'm the guy that fights for everyone. I'm like, ah, I think it's me. I don't think they understand me. I don't think I'm communicating with them well or, or there's something going on. And so I hold on to them too long and it causes people to feel like, well, they're they're not a good developer or they're not a good X or Y or whatever. And, and uh, so they can just get away with everything. And it's really, I'm just trying to be patient and make sure that we're making the right decision. And because I can be, you know, 
pretty difficult to work with in the sense that I move around a lot <laughs> on ideas and and um, I'm a quick start, so I, I can bounce from thing to thing. And if you don't know what that means, you can go back to our episode with Jason Cup, find out what uh, what John's talking about there with being a quick start. And if you're a quick, quick start, starts. you'll listen to five minutes of it and move on. So, <laughs> and all three of us in the room are quick starts. Yeah, we're so. all quick starts. So, so I noticed, checked out of that interview about five minutes in. No, yeah, notice how that's we, not true. Jason, I, I love you if you're listening. I love I love Jason's interview because he's like, notice how we're all we've all been talking for 15 minutes and not one of us has a note in front of them. <laughs> that's the be- that's the that was the most mind blowing thing of the whole the whole process. And I've taken that little nugget and I've gone with it. But just to to reiterate Cody's point, John. On about uh, let's not let's not sell yourself short here, you know you're you're and and you little did a little act of self deprecation in that last bit as well. But you're a great judge of talent. You've acquired some great people here that have worked on your team specifically, even after you've taken yourself out of some of the processes of hiring, and uh, and you've gotten some great great members working for you, people that do understand you, people that do work hard for you. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, you weren't a good judge of talent because there are people that aren't there are good, good people. There's people out there, some of our members and some people who are small business owners that are like, man, I just can't put together a labor force to save my life. I am hiring. And I feel like bears subtweeting constantly. someone he's talked to. <laughs> um, I'm hiring the wrong people over and over. Where would you suggest to start? If that was, if that was me, if you were giving advice to me, let's not make it about you because I don't want to insult you. Let's, let's what, go what, back to me. What do what, you look yeah, for? What do you look for? Because uh, you're hiring people to do, like when you hired Tim, you were hiring him to do some lower level stuff to get that off your plate. But also you've kept him around and he is, uh, you know, has teams under him now. Uh, so what, what made you decide that like Tim was leadership material? And did you know that hiring him? I know you knew him already, but. Yeah, I mean, um, the things I look for really are, can we work with this person? Like, are they abrasive? So I'm in that sense, I'm laid back. I like to have fun at work. I don't like to just be uptight all the time about everything. Now we do have to get things Where's done. stapler? <laughs> what is your red stapler? <laughs> Uh, in uh, office space. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, um, really to me, it's more important about can we work with them? And uh, a lot of people, um, we even had some people on our team at one point when they do interviews, they like to check checklist people. Do you have X? Do you have Y? You know, do you have JavaScript? Have you ever done Octopus Deploy? Have you ever used Tim City? Are you a C Sharp? How proficient are you? And they're kind of missing the point of, well, they've they know all these things and they had to learn them at some point. So I'm more concerned around, can you learn? Are you someone I want to work with? Am I excited to work with you? And that's what really kind of drives uh, what I look for in people. And then as far as finding leadership, um, Tim had never really led a team. He worked at EDS for 22 years, which is a big software company before HP bought them and kind of dwindled down their staff. But, um, you know, so he worked there and he was not really in a leadership role, but it just turned out that he was able to do it. You know, he he has a lot of uh, business expertise in what we do now, and um, he's able to people respect him and and they listen to him. So I just think, you know, I would say we got lucky that Tim was able to rise up and do that. But I you know also knew that he was a good person and he could learn and and um, you know he was someone I could trust. And trust is a big thing to me as well. So especially when you're turning over the database or some 
part of a design or something to other people, can you trust that they have your best intentions? Are they going to do their best? And maybe their best, maybe they make a mistake. That's okay. As long as they weren't doing it maliciously. To, to throw back to another episode of the Profit Roadmap, when we had Chris Volpe on, he talked about how uh, someone being coachable is far more important than them having experience. Like if they're able to learn and they're willing to do things your way, then it goes so much further than if they have 10 years house cleaning experience. Uh, so has there been, because where a lot of our members are, and you know that I'm just saying this for the benefit of the people listening to transition. Uh, a lot of our members are in a position right now where it's hard to find employees. Has there been a position that you've struggled to fill on our team? Yes. Yes. I meant uh, the technology market is just as competitive as the labor market. We're really just stealing people and someone's going to steal our people. And so we're just swapping people out. There's not enough people to go around. And that's why the uh, the visa program is also really popular in tech. So out in Silicon Valley, they get a lot of people in from India and, and other countries to help fill this void that's there. And so we have the same problems. And there was a time that uh, we you know, struggled to fill several positions. Um, for whatever reason, now it's been a little bit easier. And I think it has something to do with the end of the year where people typically lay people off to make their numbers so they can report good numbers to Wall Street and then hire everyone back, hire new people back to replace them. It's really ridiculous. But um, so, you know, we struggle with that and we were paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to recruiters to help us basically find technical people. And it's been very difficult. And so we kind of suffer through the same thing where I know our members probably feel like they're just stealing people from other service companies in the area. And that's basically what we're doing. So one of the th big things that we did last year was, you know, Brian used to be our HR person and he kind of did it in a part-time role. We actually hired a full-time HR person and she, uh, she's been doing a great job. She's out there recruiting full-time. You, you probably have four or five positions to fill and she's just going to save us all of those placement fees that we were paying just to find. And, find people and there she's doing the same thing that they're doing. We just didn't have time to do it. So yeah, that's one and, way that you can address this. And just to uh, reinforce one of your points from earlier, she's worked with uh, Michael Kiger for a number of years. Yes. Uh, so she came over with him. Connecting the dots there too. So. Yeah. Uh, so what, what would you say are the, the main things that you pursue uh, to like, to make your team an attractive team to work for if you're having to compete so hard for employees? Well, so a couple of things we did, I think last year, was uh, we kind of really beefed up our paid time off plan. So if you start at Service Autopilot, you get four weeks of time off. That includes your sick time and any personal time. They're all just a bucket now. So you got four weeks basically to take off time as you need. It means that I come into the office bearing the plague. <laughs> Um, another thing we do is we offer free snacks and drinks. Uh, we also do quarterly uh, outings where we go to either um, the golf, out, uh, no, top, golf. Top, top golf, and we also uh, have done bowling and we've done a few other things. We play paintball on the weekends and we pay for that if people want to come out and play paintball. And uh, as long as they don't shoot me, and uh, <laughs> that's the rule. you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> we also uh, we have uh, we you know some of our companies have our some of our. Some of our departments definitely have to have specific start and end times. 
and that's because we provide support. But if you're in another department, our cells, you know, we actually have a half time that we man the phones. But everyone else, when you're in, you know, development or marketing or um, training is a little bit different, but, you know, you have flex time. So we have some core hours that we try to get everyone here between 10 and 4 so that we can have meetings and everything. But that allows people to adjust to miss traffic or if they have a dentist appointment, they can schedule it in the morning and get all get that taken care of before they come to work. I really appreciate that flexibility. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I've always appreciated it when I work for people. It's like, I, you know, I'm, you know, I had a job and the guy was kind of a took a hard line on getting there at 8.30 and there was no reason and we didn't even have that much support. And um, and he would monitor us with the old app, ICQ, if you remember that. That was before AOL and everyone else. They were the first people that did instant messaging on the internet. And they were an I, Israeli company. I'm not company. certain I was born yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Sorry, sorry. It's like 97. Yeah. You were Oh, there. okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, he was in diapers. But, um, you know, so not do that. You know, uh, give people flexibility, trust them to get their job done. And that's really important. And as long as we can trust you, then, you know, I think when you break that barrier of trust, we either have to reestablish it or we have to put you on some sort of personal improvement plan so we can then get you either being a fully productive member. So there's there's some extension of trust there. And then if there's a problem, it's addressed and dealt with. And I think having a full-time HR person will help us get people on a personal improvement plan faster than maybe, you know, Letting things faster. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to sit there and just like have someone wander around the office. They only know that you're super pissed off at them, right? Because they did something and that, you know, and now you've kind of started this whole internal conversation about that person. And really they have no idea why you're mad at them. And then it just makes everything devolve really fast. And that's definitely a role that an office assistant can take on. Yes. uh, To, to kind of address those things. If you can't hire a like a fully HR person, if you're not quite big enough for that yet, you can definitely, that's a role that uh, you don't necessarily have to take on as a business owner. And I know that uh, speaking of the flexible time, Martha Woodward's uh, like all, all of her cleaners come to the office in the morning to like pick up supplies and, and all that, and just kind of touch base on their way out the door. Uh, But there's no, the only requirement is that you end up at your first appointment on time. But there's not like a you need to be in the door at 830 or you're late and we're going to be talking to you about why you why you were two minutes late. And I've worked at those places where it's like, Cody, can you come into the office, please? Cody, we need to talk to you because you've been two minutes late twice this week. And you didn't fill out your TPS reports. Yeah. And could you hand them into this department, get them stamped over there, bring them to. Those aren't the right TPS reports. (laughs) They have the wrong cover. What what exactly do you do here? Let's just let's just act out the the movie Office Space yeah. forever. <laughs> the whole scene, yeah. <laughs> Gotta tell um, you, I love my. <laughs> um, so, um, so along the lines of uh, of what we we're talking about, though, but there again, what Cody's talking about is finding that, and and John, uh, to your point as well, what you're talking about is is finding that talent that you know, just because you have a specific skill set doesn't mean you necessarily, or behind because you have a specific title doesn't mean you can't use a specific skill set in another direction. Like Cody was suggesting, you might have an administrative assistant that acts as a buffer, you know, for things. I mean, you know, if you're the owner of a company, you automatically carry a certain level of intimidation. Um, I you know, you know, John, I've cracked wise about it. I mean, there's no secret about that, you know, on a certain level, you and Jonathan and Brian intimidate me to a certain extent, but, but there's, there's a, there's a, there, there are buffers 
you know, that can be that can be in place. You know, your administrative assistant, or in our case, the HR person, can be that person that kind of glazes over and says, "Oh, well, you just don't get John, or you just don't get Cody, or you just don't get Bear." Um, what he means is he's really pleased with your performance, or you know, where he'd like to see you do better. Well, or it's adding you know, that role or, of mediator yeah. where John yeah. is is upset because you know person X is doing X, Y, and Z, and he's able to go to HR and say, "Like, look." I'd really appreciate it if you would have a conversation with this person about what's going on here. And then HR's only goal in, in talking to that person is to, to make John happy and to keep this person employed with the company. So they lay out a plan that's like, hey, this is what we want to do to improve this. And this is absolutely like any office assistant can handle this because it's literally just a conversation. Yes. Instead of uh, working with an angry client or whatever, you're working with an employee who stepped out of line. And some of our best people, you know, I because we were working so many hours and and under so much pressure in like 2012 and 2013, kind of got crossways with me. And but we held on to them and we worked through it. And we would have had an HR person; it would have been much easier. But it was more something I had to work through personally. So as 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 a developer, a lot of times what you find is people feel like this is my code, right? And and if I let someone else work on it, you're going to mess up my code and you're kind of playing in my sandbox and you're knocking my castle down and everything, right? <laughs> and so that was part of it was, hey, you know, I had it the way I liked it. I'm not saying it was right. In retrospect, it wasn't. But it, at the time, it felt right. And so you let other people in and they start messing with it. And there's a certain amount of ego there that, like, I built this thing and I'm proud of it. And now you're kind of nitpicking. But at scale, tiny problems become much, much bigger problems. Well, yeah, ego ego is a big point to it, you know, and no one no one is immune to ego. Um and that's the thing that where education becomes uh becomes a, a, a can be a, an incredible opportunity and a tool for that. So by employing somebody like a buffer or a mediator or an HR person to handle that. I use this when I talk about selling service autopilot, not to, you know, yeah, to let's go ahead and promote it here, but the job costing aspect of it, you know, one of the, one of the very elementary features is that you can break down the budgeted hours on specific jobs. Okay. And this is how I talk about this particular feature. I say, if you talk, you know, if you have budgeted hours and you're saying that for this particular type of job, it's going to take you 30 minutes and you're noticing consistently that your top three crews, top three teams, top three cleaners are getting these jobs done in 25 to 35 minutes, you're pretty confident about the way that you're estimating jobs. You feel good about it. They're doing it in the appropriate amount of time. But, oh, here comes George. George is my example of the the, the employee that you love to hate. Here comes George, and George can't, do the, George can't get out of there and can't do the job in less than 45 minutes. It's just impossible for him. You can sit down with George and show him the hard numbers. Hey, listen, man, everyone else is doing this job in 25, 35 minutes. Well, they just don't do a good enough job there. You, you, you can't yeah, I love your company. I'm working so what? hard, Bear. Why are you yelling at me, Bear? Right. Well, no, but you can show him the information. Just like, okay, look, here's the proof. I'm not just. I'm not just because I don't like you. This isn't personal. Here's the thing. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I see every day. I'm seeing that these guys are doing it this way, and you're doing it this way. Is there? Are you? Do you not have the right team? Do, are, is it? Is it your equipment? Is it the way that I'm managing you? Is it the way you're feeling managed? Is it the way that we've got the job sorted? I mean, you could take it from so many different angles and so many opportunities. It's mostly positive, and the person doesn't necessarily feel attacked uh, in in a much personal way. He can, you know, you know, George might be 
you know, the, the, the dumb animal. But at the same time, he, he also can read so he can see, oh, yeah, I am doing poorly, you know, as compared to everybody Well, and that's else. an opportunity this, this, for yeah, a business I, owner. I, They're keeping track of the numbers in their company, right? But that's a good conversation that the office assistant can have without having to bring in the owner. Exactly. Because there's defensiveness when the person exactly. who could fire you comes to talk to you about your performance. Because then it's you have to be defensive because you're like, I'd like to eat tomorrow. Uh, and if I get fired, that may not happen. But if the office assistant says, hey, I noticed this weird thing, then it feels like, oh, you know, maybe the boss is, hasn't even gotten involved in this yet. Uh, and I can, you know, fix what I'm doing wrong and we can all, you know, go on our merry way. But so we've kind of gone on a little bit of a rabbit trail here. I think you guys have some good points. I mean, as an owner, you really have to kind of become selfless and really think about training your employees and enriching their lives. And then if you do that, they will take care of you and take care of your customers, right? By, it's they'll the take same with care your of customers, you, right? right? But they'll take care of your customers, which in turn takes care of you. And at the end of the day, they'll do a better job for you than maybe even you could do, which is the, how it's turned out in development. And I feel like what I have learned uh, working with the service industry for a long time is that the more that you think about employees as clients, the like that's how you're recruiting them. You're selling the benefits of working at your company. Uh, and then when you have them at the company, you're trying to keep them happy. It's a competitive market in, in the labor industry, and it's hard to keep employees. And I know that for every good employee, there's 10 sad sacks that can't show up to work more than three days a week. So like, if you have those good employees, you have to invest in them to keep them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're being really short-sighted if you're saving $2,000 on an employee that if they leave you, it's going to cost you 20000 to replace them. So not in salary, in lost opportunity, in lost time. And clients that are going to drop because you can't service their property. Exactly. Yeah. Well, John, uh, where we'll talk, we'll spin back to the future. What are you, uh, what are the next stages for service autopilot as a business? So you've managed, you and Jonathan both have managed to kind of step back from having to do all of the low level stuff. Every so we're, we're the field employees now, Bear and I, uh, and you're you're directing uh, the company and doing design and all of those things that are like the vision, and then you're able to to let us execute that vision. What what's the next step for SA as a business? Well, I mean, we I think we just crossed the seventy employee mark this month, which is unbelievable. Wow! And uh, and I know and you know we have to look way out. So I, and people are making fun of me because I'm looking at where where we're going to move. This building will not support us as we move forward, right? And there are problems with this building that we all dislike. So we have to think like about pipes singing while I'm trying to record. Yes, like that, and like not enough uh, bathroom space. We have a lot of men working at Service Autopilot, and it's it's a problem. I'd like to have a cafeteria. So we're looking out. And, and, and while it's 30 months out where we have to make a decision, we have to have some sort of idea of what do we want, what do we, how are we going to build out the next space, what does that look like? And so, you know, as as thinking about where what area we want to be in, which is still right here, we just have to pick somewhere in the tech corridor to move to. Um, Can I start d- lobbying now for nap chairs and ping pong? 
Well, that's the problem is we have to get enough space. And so we were kind of crammed in where we're at, right? And there's no room for ping pong tables in this office. There's no room for ping pong. And uh, it's. He wants a hammock. Don't let. Don't let <laughs> I would like a hammock as well. I was thinking about a couch, but for my office. But, you know, that's part of it is we have to, you know, find a space. How much space do we need? Where are we going to be at when we get there? I felt like we added, like, on average, we add about 10 people a year. And I feel like we've already added, you know, 10 people in the last two months. So, which is crazy. So now, what does that mean for growth-wise? Are we even going to be able to have, be able to stay in this building for 30, 36 more months, basically, before we have to move? Second and then, city. What's that? Second, Second city. city. So we're going to have to then start looking at building out a new office space and what that looks like and saving the money to do it because it's going to be expensive, right? And so, you know, that's one of the spaces, one of the things we have to keep our eye on because now we have one of our biggest dev teams that we've ever had. I could use three or four more people, actually. And we're starting to run, we know we just did a switch so that we'd have more room and we're about to run out of space if we hire those four people, which is insane to me. So, And there's nowhere left to go. There's nowhere left. There's one or two spaces downstairs, and that's it. And uh, then we'd have to move to have a split company again with some people across the street. So it's kind of a where do we go? We thought we had plenty of space, and we really don't. And so you know, kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, as far as service autopilot, you know, we're you know we have a lot of really cool things coming out this year. Um, is it, real quick, going back to the building, is there a piece of advice that you would offer? Uh, our members who are maybe looking at renting an office space, like something you wish you knew when all this started. Yeah. I mean, I can go back to last summer and wish we would have took the space next door. So a lot of times we negotiate first right of refusal on the space on spaces that we want in the building, but we're just not ready to take. So unfortunately it came up too fast. Uh, we took two of the spaces we had first right of refusal on. And then the third one came up, like six months after we took the second space. And so we weren't ready to spend that, you know, $5,000 a month on rent when we didn't need it. But now seven months later, we need it. So I, I you know, negotiating into your lease, maybe getting a someone that's like a, uh, a realtor to help you out. In our case, we kind of knew the building management at the time. So we didn't engage a realtor for this building, but I would definitely Think about that. Think about your growth. You know, um, I use this great tool called Futurely uh, to do cash flow projections, and it basically integrates with QuickBooks and Zero and a few other uh, accounting packages. It'll pull in all your chart, and it's you can really gross everything up pretty quickly and decide what your expenses are going to be. And then you have to do a little bit extra work to do revenue planning. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes if any of the the people listening want to take a look at Futurely. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great product, and uh, I even recommended it to our accountant who was trying to solve this problem actually. So, and then, you know, you have to decide how many people are you going to hire? So try to project out what your hiring is going to look like over the next year, maybe, you know, next three years. And before you do the space, that's one of the things that was always difficult was for me to accept, uh, Jonathan had went through with city Turvey, always talked about, you have to hire in advance of the actually having the work. So you have to have the people there ready to do the work before you actually get the work. And it's the same sort of concept. You have to have the space because the next lease is going to be a seven to 10 year lease based on what I'm seeing right now. So we have to project out what are we going to look like 10 years from the moment we sign the lease? Are we going to have the space? Are we going to be split into another building? Are we going to be on different floors? So um, it's really 
pretty complicated, but you just, if you put pen to paper, you can figure it out. You just have to think through all your variables and really start to see where you think you're going to be when you sign that lease. And then, of course, we have a lot of cool things coming out this year. Um, everyone just got to, you know, in the Pro Plus membership, got to look at Message Center. And then in February, we're releasing it to everyone. We just had to do some testing to make sure it worked with every level of membership. And so that will be coming out to everyone in February. And then we have a lot of cool things coming out uh, later this year. Anything else you could pull the curtain back on a little bit? Well, then definitely we are working hard on the user experience that we talked about at the conference. And so we're really trying to get that out towards the end of summer. But Could I, could I maybe put a little picture of that in the show notes? Absolutely. Yeah, we, okay, we showed some of them at, um, at the conference. You realize and, you're going to edit this part out later, right? No, no, this is no, this is me fighting for the listeners to get to see cool <laughs> right, stuff. Right, of course, yeah, of course. And then we have some uh, other things that are, uh, you know, we're going to do and, and probably get out, you know, towards that conference time again. So we always talk about uh, reveal some really cool things at the conference, and we've already had our first meeting on it. It already feels like it's March to me, so it feels like we're late in the year already. March madness is upon March us. March madness, uh, conference madness is upon us. So. But uh, yeah, so that'll be a really, um, really cool thing uh, doing our conference. And then I think the mobile app will be out, the new mobile app, which is only for Teams, um, and it won't have some of the core features. So what we had to do uh, is build a foundation. And that foundation is what we're going to build upon going forward. And so we couldn't put everything into the first version of this new mobile app. And so the iOS version will be out uh, in March. We well, and the goal is to simplify, right? Because that's why we're splitting into multiple apps instead of packing one app with every Swiss Army knife feature we could shove into it. It's a lot simpler. And so um, we don't want you to have to have six laminated cards to train your crews on how to use the mobile app, right? That is not our goal, like with what we have today. If you look at point three, subsection C. <laughs> Line two. Line two. So we are moving to get the iOS version out in March, and then the Android will be coming after that. But it won't have forms in it. It won't have uh, the ability to add a service or add a product, but it's not for everyone initially. We have to get it out and have some usage on it so we know that what we design and what we built works for everyone. And then after that, after the Android app comes out, we're going to put forms into it and add a service and add a product. And then we will start to extend it further at that point. So, but that'd be a really cool feature that's coming out in March. And then the report center is coming out in February for everyone. So if you're in a startup uh, membership, you will, um, all the reports Links will go to a single place, and you can search them, and the dashboard will be there. And you can build your own dashboard out of our reports and our dashboard components. If you're in the pro membership, you'll be able to build your own reports and get the data that you want out of the system. And then in Pro Plus, the only benefit is you can actually schedule to get these reports emailed to you on a daily or weekly basis. From the feedback that I've seen about that in the, like the members group on Facebook, and if you're a member of Service Autopilot and you're not in our uh, Facebook group, do a little search for Service Autopilot users group, members group, and uh, find us over there, get in there. But everyone's really excited about being able to send reports on a regular schedule. Uh, I know that a lot of people want to see uh, AR reports from a particular date uh, so that it's a snapshot. Uh, and right now you can't get that, but soon, soon. 
And then the last thing that's coming out to both the existing mobile app and the new mobile app and the main site is this new concept called job comments. So right now when you do notes to office, you just have a big field and you can go type in a thousand characters. And if someone from the office makes a comment, they come back as in that same field. But going forward, it'll be more like a Facebook thread where you can make a comment and then I can make a comment and we can see who is making each comment when they made it. And it will show as more of a thread basis than a giant field. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day, uh, out of yes. your Friday, to uh, to hang out with us and and talk about pull back the curtain a little bit on Service Autopilot and who See exactly the you are. Of it all, the very beginnings. Well, thank yeah. you guys for having me again. Absolutely. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you back. Yes, uh, this was, uh, you know, as we talked about at the very beginning, we were going to be doing a series with John and uh, talk about uh, the future, where we're going, where we're from, where we are, and we will continue that uh, in a future podcast. So stay tuned on details on that. We've got some other great episodes coming out soon as well. Some great member journeys and some great topics are sure to be had. So definitely tune into that. As always, we thank John for joining us today. I'm Barry Duplissy alongside Cody Owen. This is The Profit Roadmap, and we will... See you next time. The music in this episode of The Prophet Roadmap was Riptide and Summon the Rock by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff, Incompetech.com.